Right, welcome back, sports medicine. Oh, far out, I did this on the last one. Sports medicine, I keep going to say medicine. Sports medicine project people to episode two of the student edition. I'm Blake, I'm here with Justin. Mate, how you going? I'm really well, that was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's get stuck in. What are we talking about today? So, common challenge that every student and every young clinician has is goal setting and uh, making it specific and actionable and um, important for their patient and how to start thinking about that a little bit better. Um, so yeah, that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, and you know, I, I would say that every, every time you have an interaction with a patient, you know, they're coming to see you for some reason. So that reason should, I would think, involve the goal. Like if they have pain, which is stopping them from running five kilometers, you know, I'm sure your goal is going to relate to trying to get them back running five kilometers. That's the goal that you're with the patient. Mm. Mm. And sometimes the word goal can be uh, misinterpreted for patients, you know, and students you know, you might use the word goal and they're like, oh, I don't have any goals, but they certainly <coughs> have a meaningful activity that they want yes. to get back to yeah. right, that's being... So fishing around and not getting caught up too much in semantics and thinking about, um, you know, reverse engineering and deconstructing mm. are the two key things. <coughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I really love to ask, and I asked this very early on in the consult, you know, like you were said, they don't always have the goal or exactly what they want in mind, but asking them, you know, and we're talking about pain specifically, what is this stopping you from doing? And generally straight away, they can think, oh, you know, it's stopping me from playing with my grandkids or walking the dogs three times a week. So it's like, great, it's stopping you from doing this. Let's get you back to walking the dogs three times a week and then just reverse engineering back that to where you are at the moment and then building back up to that. Mm. And this is a good example of how, and this is the complexity of running a consult and how they all feed mm. into each other, different elements. So we know that um, this is exactly why I, when I start my interactions with a new patient, I start with understanding their um, basically a snapshot of their, their presenting issue and their presenting challenge. And we work in a musculoskeletal clinic, mm -hmm. so you, typically it's a musculoskeletal lower limb persistent injury, right? Um, I want to understand their profession. I want to understand their sports or activity or meaningful activities. I want to understand their family constructs and I want to understand their interests. And I'll spend 10, you know, between five to 15 minutes sometimes discussing those things and what I'm trying to pull out from those things, what are their anchors, what are their meaningful activities that they're being held back from, as you said before, So, and also what are the things that they need to get back to. So I'm starting to understand the activity demands of those meaningful activities and their motivating factors mm. because at the end of that, again, they're paying me to help solve their problems, which mm. is versions of my activity level's been decreased, typically, because mm. I've got this presenting injury that's stopping me from doing those things. Mm. So moving away from pain as the goal. Mm. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. And I, one thing I did pick up from you that I, I know that you ask your patients, sometimes it's not so, you know, what sport do you do? What exercise do you do? It's what are your meaningful activities? Because a person that walks... 20 kilometers sorry walks 10 kilometers a day you know it's not exercise they just like to go out for a walk and for yeah. them oh i just always do that i never thought of it as exercise mm. so getting a good understanding of mm. that and i will add having a good understanding of someone's activity that's a modifiable factor so if you're dealing 
someone with an Achilles tendinopathy and you find out that one of their meaningful activities is they love to walk up the Merriweather Hill, you know, that's something that you can possibly modify in the short term to try and bring down their pain and possibly get them back quicker to, to 100%. Yeah, so bringing it back to the specifics of the students and the challenge with this, we at our clinic or our university, we call them GOMPs, so goal-orientated management plans mm -hmm. with students. They need to be smart, um, so specific, measurable, actionable, reproducible and, and timely mm -hmm. and typically we're talking about them in the, the short term the medium term goals and the longer term uh, yeah. goals right so they're all the considerations that the curriculum demand from the students but through which lens and how do we interpret those things and that's where you know connecting the dots and making sense um, so putting a concept to the content uh, what I just mentioned before is the content but putting some concepts to it and understanding that and interpreting it um, is where it all starts to click. So another way you said um, how to ask that of the patients, mm -hmm. even just asking them, well, what keeps you busy? Yeah. yeah. I, that's one of my favorite questions right at the start because that will reveal what's meaningful for them mm. without, so and I'll categorize it into occupation, sport mm. or activity and family and um because you know someone, particularly if they're at that age where I'm not sure if they're retired or working yeah, or whatever, yeah. um, it's the wrong sort of question. It can be a little bit tricky um, and students often struggle with that. So what keeps you busy? And then how they present it, I'll just drop it into those categories. Um, what keeps you physically active? Mm -hmm. um, what keeps you physically active? So thinking about one, what I'm listening for is one, do they uh, meet recommended guidelines for exercise? that's that's one um great if they if they don't then there's potentially an education moment offered in there if they're not mm -hmm. but what's restricting them from that so is it just their their injury so another common challenge students will face is they say great so what keep so what, what keeps you active do what do you exercise and they say oh no not at all mm. but it's only because their heel pain hurts so bad mm. so i'll say great so if everything's fit and healthy you don't have yeah. any pain no issues best case scenario what are you doing activity-wise? What do you want to be doing? What do we need to get you back to? Mm. And that's a different question. So that, and now coming back to the GOMPs and the goals, now I've got their meaningful activity, the thing that they define as 100% that we're working back towards. Yeah, and bridging that gap mm. in between. Yeah, I do, <clears throat> I know we just mentioned it probably a couple of minutes ago, talking about pain and function. And I know when we're talking about smart goals, you know, it might be reduce pain from six out of 10 to mm. two out of 10. Mm. Pain is going to be highly variable over the course of the rehab and rather having a goal that's related to something that they want to get back to. So say it's back walking five kilometers, for, for an example, an easy one to think about. Rather than focus on the pain coming down, focusing on getting them back to doing that, that five kilometer walk with minimal pain is generally and usually a better option because we know we can probably get them back quicker to walking then rather than getting their pain down to a zero. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> pain's a funny one and it's probably not the time to dig into a whole mm. thing spiel about pain science. That's for another episode. But um, pain is the most important thing sometimes uh, and sometimes it's not that important for the person in front of you. Engaging that quickly is important. So, Pain I, stopping them from doing something. From doing something, yeah. yeah. So uh, a, a big example of that that I often use as an example in front of the students is say someone walks in with pain and you've understood they're 
you know, a 58-year-old uh, gentleman who looks after his grandkids, still works part-time and enjoys playing lawn bowls, mm. right? Um, and he's got a 4 out of 10 pain. Um, I could easily take that person's pain away by going next door, grabbing the wheelchair out, sitting them in the wheelchair and say, don't get out of the wheelchair. Your heel pain, solved. It mm. will be solved. Do not get up. Um, and of course, it's a, a you know, roll their eyes because of course it highlights the main thing is pain only bothers them as much as it stops them from their meaningful activity. Yeah. Um, so calming stuff down is important. If someone walks in and it's a 10 out of 10, they're limping in, they can't <laughs> sleep, you know, it's the worst pain imaginable. You keep asking these broader questions and they keep circling back to the fact that it just hurts. Mm. And you ask them, what do you want to do with it? Like, do you have any goals or things you want to get back? No, I just don't want the pain anymore. Mm. Then that's the trigger for me. Like, okay, we just need to focus on calming you down in the short term. We need to calm this pain down so that we can still, the still the medium long term is always increase people's activity profile mm. back to what they want to be doing or supersede their previous levels back to their meaningful activities. So it always is the medium long term thing, but it sometimes pain needs to come down to calm it down. Mm. Um, and I just the calming down phase some people can shortcut that as you mentioned before you can completely shortcut that because it's not that big of an issue we can just start to focus on increasing their activity mm. or the- yeah and they're going to be a lot happier <clears throat> when you if you and we stick with that example getting that gentleman back to playing lawn bowls if he's playing lawn bowls with the same amount of pain i guarantee he's going to be happy because he's doing his meaningful activity Mm. and we would expect if you're back doing your meaningful activity then you can also work on bringing the pain down rather than them thinking all right i've got to get my pain to a zero out of ten before i can get back to my activity you know pain is a normal thing that the body produces Mm. and you don't want to be saying yep when it's a zero out of ten then you can go back to play lawn bowls that might be a couple of years rather getting them back playing with manageable pain and then focusing on you know trying to to get that to a minimal level as possible people will tolerate pain if their meaningful activity is important enough and even if it's work you know if if you're motivated to work um if you have to work you'll bloody work (laughs) yeah yeah and you can you see that from their goals i think it's i'd nearly say it's one of the most i probably can't say that but it's one of the important factors in a consult to get that from the start because that's you know what you're trying to do with, with this person they're coming to see you for this problem which then eventually turns into their goal mm. so starting with the end in mind come is derived from that subjective history taking and understanding their activity profile what they're currently doing what they want to be doing what's important to them then deconstructing that and this is where deconstructing though the components of their meaningful activity let's again stick with the gentleman the lawn bowls fella so um for him let's say he's got little grandkids and he has to get up and down off the floor and let's say again he's got Mm. heel pain um up and down off the floor is a a physical decomponent uh, of that lawn bowls so uh, you know and he's walking from end to end Mm. and he's playing you know 20 ends and he's standing so for let's say 90 minutes there's sitting up and down so Mm. i'm starting to take around and make it smart by listening and making it a smart goal um which is and the first one being specific to him exactly specific um specific uh measurable so can we get it get a timeline to getting him back to bowls or being able to get up and get up and down off the floor again and a goal might be as well because sometimes we think and like you said before short medium and long term Mm. you know the long term goal might be i want to be back playing a full 90 minutes with no pain that's great a short term goal might be i want to be able to play 
30 minutes with pain that's manageable. So just trying to deconstruct and explaining to the patient as well that you don't have the magic wand. You won't be able to make it a zero out of 10. You'll be able to play a full game without any pain. But having these short little steps <clears throat> or these short-term goals of great, maybe at the 40-minute mark, that's when you start to notice it rather than at the five-minute mark. You know, that's a goal that we can check off and win and then we can progress from there. Hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the, the easy way to go with it. Most people will, even if they don't play a formal activity, they don't exercise. And again, I'm thinking of the archetype, the, the most basic type of patient that most students start to, to see with great consistency. It's your ongoing general care mm. presentation patient between you know, 50 and 75. Um, their goal is to typically you know, longevity, reduce frailty, Mm. Um, f- make sure they're not a falls risk keep moving um, keep living independently they're all still tasks and things that can be deconstructed and made specific to them mm. you know so um, if they don't have a particular goal or if you're struggling just deconstruct their life from those aspects and um, you know ask, encourage them to challenge them to start a basic walking program or doing their, st- their five steps at home five times a day or something mm. to maintain a bit of muscle mass and, and leg strength or some sit to stands or something basic is always something that you can always do yeah and I, I do like asking those those questions that can probably be a little bit confronting as a student or a newer grad and like you mentioned before you know w- what is your version of 100 percent, and what is this stopping you from doing and generally it's a little bit of silence and sometimes you've just got to let that silence go while they think about it and generally they'll tell you the answer and and you can work from there absolutely and again it comes back to your starting with the end in mind being nice and specific for them knowing that as a health professional our job is to solve problems for them get them back to the things that they want to be doing and um yeah trying to do that as quick easy cost effective logical Mm. way as possible do you ever do you ever say back to them you know let's say you've gone through your consult you're getting to what you're going to do and you you know the homework you're going to give them you might be giving them a you know a shoe recommendation or something along those lines do you ever relate back or say back to them what you're trying to do in the sense of their goal like you know we're gonna we're gonna tape this foot or tape your heel so you can then you know bring your heel pain down when you're playing lawn bowls like do you ever ever do that in the consult yeah well we we advocate for the three phases as we know and Mm. The three phases are phase one, calm it down and understand what works. And that's often, it, particularly if there's pain, as we mentioned earlier about, it's it's overwhelming, it's holding them back from doing things. We're calming it down and understanding what types of therapies work. Um, and once it's calm, and yes, trying to explain the calming down tools and getting them to utilize them as much as possible does a couple of things. One, it lets them to... Yeah, again, understand what we're trying to achieve and how the effects of how they work. And two, I'm explaining the therapies and I'm remaining a bit more detached from mm. the therapies that we're delivering. And so I'm not, the, the clinician isn't the, the hero in this. It's the therapies and the patient. Yes. So positioning it and remaining a bit more agnostic and detached from, from those things as well is good. And then it's phase two, increase, test it out. Pain comes down, start to test it out. 
in phase two, tested it out and utilized the therapies. And if we've changed shoes and utilized some taping or some in-shoe devices or something like that, um, use them and test it out and start to build with a logical ladder, a return to activity program. Mm. Um, and build, build things back up. Build things back up. And then phase three is figure out how little you need those therapies that we've intervened with and explore mm your minimum effective dose, which is the, <laughs> the least amount that yes. you need them. I love this one. And this is really specific to podiatry students. And if you've got me in the clinic, you, and I'm sure Justin as well, you hear me harping on all the time about phase three. And we always talk about a, a big um, problem within our profession that we give other professions is we generally give someone a hard plastic orthotic and it's something they've been told they need for the longer term. What I like about phase three is you explain to the patient in real time, then and there, we're going to figure out, and this is in the example, the context of using an orthotic, we are going to figure out in the longer term how much you need to rely on this device. It may be shorter term, it may be medium term, or it could be longer term. Mm. These aren't doing any harm being in your shoes. And I'm not saying that you need it forever, but I'm also not saying that you might only need it for this exact time. And they get a better understanding of, okay, I kind of graduate from, from wearing this. I may not need it forever, but we're trying to figure out how much I need it. And if it's helping me doing my meaningful activity, what's the real harm in, in wearing that? Correct. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And to add to that, the because the long-term goal in zooming right out and going bigger picture, we want internal resilience and capacity of our internal structures inside yes. our body. And we only outsource and leverage external bits of equipment to help artificially inflate our capacity um, as little as we have to. Oh, that's a good one. Why have you never said that? You're holding out for these I'm guys. Sure this I've never heard that. you say that. I like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and again, in the short term where we're cut back from things, we've got pain, we need more cuddle techniques. We need external devices to artificially inflate our capacity mm. so that we can do things. Um, but yeah, long term, I think most people would agree with that. If I want longevity, I want resilience, I want tissue capacity, I want that for myself. Um, you know, I don't want to have to utilize some particular little piece of thing mm. inside my shoe. Yeah. And that's what you're building in phase two when mm. you're building that tissue capacity back up. Now, where it can get, and I definitely was guilty of this, I was very much when I was younger, orthotics, you, there's no one in the world that ever needs them forever. But there are some people that, and a very narrow indication, there are some people that just benefit from having them longer term, whether it be, you know, specific examples like adult acquired flat foot, people with tarsal coalitions, people that have had ankle fusions, they just function better with them. So there are cases where you do figure out how much you need to rely on them. And it's not that you're relying on them heavily, but you, you know, you do just need them for the longer term. Yeah. Yeah, great. All right, Justin, thanks for coming on episode two. Anything to leave? these students with let's say you're a student listening to this and you're just about to walk in it's grand final day every week you're just about to walk into the clinic what do you want them to think about the one bit of advice one key thing mm. want them at the start of the day think about one key takeaway that they're going to have at the end of the day and it's going to be one condition that they haven't seen yet and just just one because it can yep. be overwhelming so one key thing that they'll see through the day and then they're going to do a bit of homework on that that's my one key advice nice just I do like that it. consistently every week yeah i will add to that my one key thing is just really immerse yourself being within a student clinic with 
colleagues and mentors and people that are really there to give you as much time as you could possibly want because when you're going into the private practice world it's not always that way great awesome guys thanks for listening cheers